Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody. And here we are. Oh, my God. Now he's smoking a pipe. Last week it was a cigar. This What is that pipe, anyway? A meerschaim pipe. Seafoam. <laughs> Figured we were going to be talking about a lot of scheduled games, and what better way to do it than just with, with Kith and Kin and a nice pipe. With <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> That's a great way to start out the show. All right. You are watching the solar panel. We just lost three watchers, by the way, you know, cut in half in that (laughs) moment. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the solar panel. Thank you for joining us. We're going to talk about Phoenix Sun stuff. There actually is, there actually is some Phoenix Suns news to talk about that's worth talking about. And I'm looking forward to it. My name is Dave King. Thank you for joining us. Um, joined today on the panel are Brandon, my partner in crime. Brandon's on the hoops. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Good to have something new to talk about. Um, even if it's not the most interesting topic in the world, it's still news that, like, in the dark days of summer, it's it's nice to have some NBA-related news. And, uh, you know, the, the season's going to get here pretty soon. So excited for that as well. We really do have it. it yeah. Really good things to talk about. It's going to be fun. Jake, fallen founder. How are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to discuss what Chick-fil-A Kevin Durant is stopping at this week uh, to see if that leads us to the breadcrumbs of our dreams coming true. <laughs> Which one was he at? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> turns out he probably wasn't even actually in town, but that's okay. Um so, yes, we are going to take a break from the Kevin Durant saga. If that happens, that happens. If it doesn't, which is more likely that it doesn't because teams have to actually do something to make a trade. They don't have to do anything to not. We're going to pretend it's not going to happen, and we're just going to go through and talk about what this Suns team looks like. The more time that goes by, the more it seems like the Suns are ready to just run it back waiting for that big fish to come loose that they can that they can use their assets on. Here's the thing with with the Suns, it seems like the Suns are not move, not changing any players this summer, not doing anything that they don't have to do. The reason is, one of the reasons is is that makes that keeps them all trade eligible. If you make trades, little trades and you think, "Oh, I've got unless it's draft picks, Oh, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this new player. You can't trade that new player for a while because you just acquired them. So they're they're keeping all their stuff ready to go for the trade, any trade, when it happens. Could be the Suns pivot to somebody else. Could be the Suns just stay on Kevin Durant until he's available. Could be they wait until, who knows? But James Jones is not going to handcuff himself by making some trades. So let's let's talk about the team as if they they are staying together. And our, we've got a few topics today. Our first first topic is we are going to talk a little bit about the schedule. I know many of you Suns fans um, who uh, live, eat, and breathe the Phoenix Suns, you've been dying for Suns content. You've, this is probably the fourth or fifth conversation about the schedule that you'll have heard this week. So we're going to try not to just repeat everybody else. We're going to make it a little bit unique. But you know, there's some housekeeping to do just to just to make sure that you know, everyone's on the same page with the schedule. So we'll talk about the schedule. 
a little bit of a couple of little um, angles that you may not have heard already. Then we're going to talk about who are the contenders in the West? Who are among the teams that have made changes? And most of the teams have made the changes they're going to make. Teams like the Jazz might intentionally, but I think we all expect them to really regress this year. Uh, so really the, the teams are the teams that are going to be at the top of this, I think, right now. So we're going to talk about them in a little bit more detail, who they added, who they subtracted, and all that. Um, and then we're going to go through our two falls section, and then we're going to do our hot takes at the end. So again, I appreciate y'all being here. Uh, we've got a bunch of people in the live chat, and uh, we'll be addressing your questions as we go. And uh, let's get ourselves started. So the first schedule release, the full schedule for the 22-23 season came out. Uh, let's go ahead and... Uh, and talk about that schedule. Brandon, what was the what was the first thing you thought of when you looked at the schedule in depth? Well, obviously the the key highlights are you know the Christmas game, right? Like that's something everyone was kind of expecting and uh, excited about. I think the Suns have a, a new reputation now that you know they this is something that they deserve and you know wh whether or not like uh you buy into like how game 7 went against the Mavs just um, kind of reshaping their narrative. Like people just can't take their eyes off the Suns, whether it's to watch them fail or like us, like as fans. So um, I think we're just kind of at that level now. So it's pretty cool to get back-to-back -back Christmas Day games. Um, and then opening night against that same Mavericks team obviously stands out. Um, just kind of – and then the MLK Day game against Memphis. Like those are the three games I think that stand out the most. There's, I think, uh, double-digit back-to-backs as well. That was another thing that kind of stood out to me just looking, you know, with Chris Paul turning uh, 71 this year, it's, it's, it's important to like get him uh, off those back-to-backs. So that, that was one of the main things I was looking at too. How about you, Jake? What jumped at you? Ooh, <clears throat> got to go with the game one Dallas. I just want that vengeance. Game right eight of the, of the series, right? Exactly. This time we're going to finish them <laughs> off. Best of nine, baby. No, uh, yeah, the, the, actually the start of the, the whole schedule, there's a lot of good content. I mean, Dallas, we don't know what Portland's going to be. I, I don't, I'm not buying into they're going to be much improved yet. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, the first few opponents, Dallas, uh, Clippers, Golden State, New Orleans Pelicans. Um, it's uh, we're, we're going to have some good games right out of the gate. And it's it'll be interesting because I feel like the last couple of years we start a little slow out of the gate and then we kind of take off sprinting after that. Um, so it'll be interesting if we come prepared or lose focus early. I think there's some justifiable debate um, over what how good the Suns start is going to be. On one hand, you've got the Suns of their first nine games of the season. Seven of those are at home. So on one hand, you're thinking, wow, that's a great way to kick off the season. You can have almost a second mini camp, second training camp. If you make a day before the season trade, if you make a mid training camp trade, gives you a little bit more time because you got a lot more time at home. Um, and in fact, there's there's some there's some significant time like there's a um, when they do their six game home stand from October 25th to November 5th. There's two full days off between games one and two, and then there's two full days off a game between games four and five. That, allow, that allows the team to have full practices early in the season. They're not too tired to have practices. 
yet. So and they're not managing time or, or minutes or fatigue or anything. So you've got some opportunity to even have a second mini camp if you've made some some uh, changes in your team. So on one hand, it's really good to have seven of your first nine at home. And three of those nine are against the Portland Trailblazers, who will have Damian Lillard back and will have a respectable starting lineup, but they're not really built to win. They're mostly predicted to be in the mid lottery, high lottery, uh, where they're going to be they're going to be uh, playing for draft picks, basically. Even though Dame Lillard signed yet another extension to stay with them, you know, I I love his uh, his his loyalty. I love it when players have incredible loyalty to the teams that treated them well. He's been treated very very well by Portland, just like Devin Booker's been treated very well very very well by Phoenix. So on that on that note. It looks good. But on the other side of it, you've got they start against Dallas, who they did lose by 80,000 points to in the last two games of that series. Then on on game three, they're at the Clippers, who now will have supposedly Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And that's one of the deepest teams in the league playing, um, uh, you know, on Sunday night in L.A. Then you go then we start a six game homestand. Golden State, who's coming off that winning the finals. New Orleans, who might have a healthy Zion Williamson back. Houston Rockets, who have the number, I forget, number one, two, three pick in the draft. Whatever it was, Jabari Smith joining Jalen Green. They're they're in a rebuilding mode. That should be a win. But then you've got Minnesota with the twin towers of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And then your final two against Portland again. So you've got a chance there to have a really strong start, but you also have a chance to have not so strong a start because of the uh, because of the competition the Suns will be facing. In that start, nine games, seven at home, but more than half of those against playoff teams. What's your prediction, uh, Jake? We'll start with you. What's your prediction on what the Suns' schedule is going to be after nine First games? Ten? After nine games, their record. Okay. Um, I'll go five and four uh, just because it seems like that's the trend. And then, you know, I, I think we pick up steam from there. But for whatever reason, you know, we, we don't – maybe it's because Chris Paul knows not to gas himself early in the season. Uh, and you want to let the – because the, the fun thing about the NBA is even if you are a rebuilding team, you have to tell your fans that you're going for it out of the gate. You can't start tanking until after, uh, you know, the new year, really. So even the Rockets are going to go full blast that everyone's going to try everything. And there's really not, we know what this team is. We are a great team. So it's not going to be as necessary out of the gate. So if we come out uh, with a winning record in the first nine, uh, I would love to be better than five and four, but uh, I, I can see five and four. But you're going five and four. Brandon, what do you think? Uh, I'll go six and three. I think, uh, you know, there's going to be some tough games early on like uh, that they could drop. And then they have the Blazers three times in those first nine games. So that's a, that's a little interesting tidbit um, as you were talking about the Blazers earlier, Dave. But, um, but, yeah, I think getting off to a hot start is somewhat important, but it's not the end of the world. Because I think there's always like those weird teams that get hot and like start like five and two and then, we're like, oh, is it their year? And then they just kind of tail off and we forget about their existence uh, halfway through the year. So um, I think the Suns will get off to a decent start. It's They just got to remember it's a marathon, not a sprint. So 
I think last year was like the revenge tour where they got off to that slow start and then really picked up steam. Um, I could see them wanting to make a statement against Dallas for sure. And then like just blowing them out and uh, kind of from there, just kind of take it game by game. So says Jay in the chat. First, he went nine and zero for a predicted record, and that, then, like two minutes later, he goes, "Not ten and zero." I think he means because he's firing Jake for predicting five and four, so that's a win. So he's giving himself another win. <laughs> we, we've got some interesting. Yeah, I see Liz Nicole is having dreams about the NBA season. She hasn't made out with anyone in twelve years. <laughs> I feel bad for you, but I'm here for you at the same time. And so says Jay. You know, everyone's just got to get a cat or a dog. Dog. Let me do the wave of the pipe to you, sir. That is a wave of the pipe to you. You don't want that throughout (laughs) this episode. You know, my favorite part of the the schedule release is every year, like fan bases of the worst teams will get so upset that they're like, "Oh, our strength of schedule is like the the toughest in the league." Like right now, I think it's like, yeah, OKC and Houston have the two toughest. Like, yeah, because you don't get to play yourself, like. Right, you guys are the easy schedule, so that's the 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 easy opponent. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's like it's like that. Uh, that group of every every group of friends has the one person that everyone else in the group wishes never would stop showing up to things. And if you're if you have a group of friends and you don't think you have somebody like that, you're the one they wish that would stop showing up. So, uh, so that (laughs) well, well, let me ask you guys this who do you think is going to be in that first nine to ten games? Who are who's the player on the Suns roster that Suns fans are going to say, you know what, this guy's pretty good because I'm thinking a lot of people forgot about how important Dario can be to this team, and the first ten games are going to be like, oh, maybe we should not start Jay Crowder and maybe put Dario in there, or of course the Cam Johnson people. It can't, it's no, they're going to say DeAndre Ayton to start Dario. Oh Come yeah, on. Dario, the connector. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Dario, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a revelation. He's playing for Croatia. He's, he's gotten full full minutes. He's going to be playing for Croatia in the, I forget, the FIBA World Champion, something like that. And um, uh, so hopefully he'll be in real good shape when he shows up and be back to regular ready for basketball and all that. So it should be, should be interesting uh, to see how Dario plays to kick off the season. Uh, he's really the only new player in the entire rotation taking the place of JaVale McGee, who will be returning to Phoenix with the Mavs as their starting center to kick off the season uh, in, in Phoenix for the Mavericks. So they, that's they can really roll out him every time. Whatever I What's was going to say his number, but we don't know his number yet. So I was going to say just pick and roll at JaVale every time. Put him on an island. And then on the other end, he'll pick and roll dunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. The, the Mavericks played JaVale off the floor in the playoffs, but then they signed him to a big contract. Because big guys have a role, Dave. And if you want me to go down the white side uh, path this early in the show, we can do this. We can do Don't, this. I'm going to call it the dark side, not the white <laughs> side. So let's <laughs> – uh, let's see. I think the Suns are going to be six and three or seven and two after nine games. And I really think so because the Suns are going to come out trying to prove themselves after having had such a flame out. I mean, you guys, the last time we saw the Suns, they got blown out by 8,000 points. And then there's four, five months where they just got a stew over that with no ability to fight back, no ability to put it in the rearview mirror. 
five months. This is the first major offseason we've had since 2019. Three years for these guys. And they've got to eat. They've got to just chew on that loss, those losses to the Mavericks. I, I think the Suns are going to come out hot to start the season, focus to start the season. And if they have a tail off, it'll be after that start. So I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing uh, seven and two. That's what I'm that's, that's a good point about the the full off season. I think that's some that's pretty important for especially a team like the Suns with so many young players. Like this will be the first off season some of these guys have had in a while that they can actually work on their games and we could see some like significant leaps from those guys who've kind of been waiting on, like Mikel, Cam and DA. because uh, now they have more time to work on it and you know, get some downtime too, in addition to that. So I think that'll be huge. Speaking of big leaps. You probably picked that up from uh, Brightside. So what we're doing on Brightside, brightsideofthesun.com, the written version of this whole podcast, um, uh, I'm doing a series, and me and the other writers are doing a series of big leaps needed for the Suns to win a championship. So all else being the same, we've seen this team be the same team for two years. They had a surprisingly good playoffs the first time and a surprisingly bad playoffs the second time, but they're the same team. Who can make a huge leap, a significant leap to get the Suns to actually be a finalist here, a finalist and to win a championship. So you've got, I'm going to give you guys five possibles, five possible guys who can help, uh, who whose improvement could be a significant difference maker for the Suns, assuming all else is the same around him. Okay. So we're not talking about Chris Paul's decline. We're not talking about other people playing poorly. We're just saying everyone plays the same. Whose big leap would put the Suns into contention again and help them win the finals. So I'm going to give you guys five choices. I'm going to start from the bottom and then go up. Dude, I thought that was like a bottle of vodka for a second um, uh, i'm just trying to get on jake's level <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Um, okay starting from the bottom cameron Payne develops into the best backup point guard in the league that's one option another option is um is mikhail bridges becomes like a top 20-ish player in the league all, all-star cusp another deandre ayton becomes a true all-star top 20 player in the league and and uh you know makes a huge leap that clearly makes him the second best player or so on the sun's team the biggest option is and cam johnson becoming one of the best players in the league as well um as far as like not really all-star but you know top 50 okay top 40 in the league and then finally you can have deandre excuse me devin booker Devin Booker, does he need to get? Um, do, do, does he need to make another leap? He was All NBA this year, first team All NBA by the end of the season, All Star starter for uh, um, not even All Star starter, but definitely All Star for the last few years. Will Devin? Does Devin Booker need to become a top ten player in the league, top eight player in the league, if the Suns all else being the same? So, which of those leaps do you think? Or how many of those leaps, any of those leaps, would put the Suns into contention? Campaign, Cameron Johnson, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Aiden, Devin Booker. Um, I'll say, honestly, Devin Booker's leap 
if he can solidify himself as a top 10, top five player in this league and um, like people forget he's still 25 years old. Like he's still technically not uh, really in his NBA prime yet. Like once he still has like, I think a couple more years before he really hits his peak. So that's a scary thought. And we've seen like the past few championship teams have had that one star that was the best player in the series. And that's what I think uh, in order for the Suns to get where they need to get, he has to be that on a consistent basis. And, and that will like his leap will make everyone else better around him too. So I think um, there's still room for improvement in his game. And my second choice would be Mikel Bridges, just because having that, like, a, you know, six, 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 seven, two way wing uh, as a top 20 player, like you said, in the league, like that, that's um, also vital to any championship team. Cause there's so many teams that have those talented wings. So um, it's tough. Obviously all these things I'd love for all of them to happen, but just being realistic, it's, it's tough to see, uh, more than two of these happening. Um, but I, I think Booker really hitting that MVP level is like the next step for for this team to be a true contender. Because every, you look at every championship team, they have an MVP talent. It's just, right. it's that simple. Yeah, and that's the thing. And uh, real quick, Jake, before you go, um, when I say Devin Booker has to improve into a top 10, some people are saying, well, he's on the cusp of top 10 right now. Yeah, I know that. But what I mean is, playing like a top five, top eight player who's MVP level, who can take over a series and be the difference maker, like a Giannis, like a LeBron in his prime, like a Kevin Durant when he was helping the the Warriors win their championships, that kind of player. Book isn't quite there. He's a, he's like more like a Damian Lillard right now, which is incredible. You know, it's freaking awesome. But Damian Lillard can't carry a team to a championship right now and or and so can Devin Booker that's what i mean is can he become that oh my god like Dwayne Wade ascended in one playoffs and became the dude who carried the Miami Heat to that championship yes Shaquille O'Neal was still one of the greatest players in the game but it was Dwayne Wade who made the biggest difference in that finals cuz he got more times a game and to beat the Mavericks i believe that year um so that kind of game that kind of playoffs that kind of season is what i mean from book i obviously think is an awesome player i just mean mvp level so that's those are options but maybe you don't think book needs to improve that much more if everyone else around him improves so what do you think jake what do you think is are the most important leaps for a team with all else being the same to win a championship <clears throat> Well, so I'm, I'm a, not everyone knows this, but I'm the treasurer of the uh, DeAndre Ayton Stan Club. And uh, it's, uh, you know, our membership is growing. I've noticed that on Twitter, we, we've started to rebound and we're playing nice again with people a little bit. Uh, but uh, I think people also, I think a lot of the fans, because of the pressure of being number one overall, uh, it's so easy. If anyone that's ever, for example, uh, not that I've ever raised kids, but um, like, had, had a pet or had, had something that basically you're going to commit a long time to. If you're too close to the project, you don't see the improvements over time. And, you know, your friends come by and they're like, oh, your, your, your child isn't a screw up or like, hey, your dog is not stupid or stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like DeAndre Ayton's first year compared to where he was last year is like to me night and day. He's so... Yeah, someone actually was jump. arguing on Brightside in the comments. We talked about DA possibly making the leap, and someone goes, "He hasn't changed since his rookie year." I'm like, "Uh, uh what?" <laughs> no, he, he's he's done so well. I, I agree. Uh, it's it, there's going to have to be a little bit of the balance. I totally felt DA's frustration with the supposed rumor that he told Monty uh, during that you know 
barnstormer of a COVID game um, to end the season that, uh, hey, I can't pass the ball to myself. And it's true. Um, you know, he's not a Joel Embiid that will come out to the top of the key and receive the ball and then go try and make a, a, a basket from there. But he can be so efficient uh, on that block. And I think, uh, I mean, so he's got so much room to grow there and elsewhere too, that it's just, it's really kind of impressive uh, that a big man like him can be so smooth uh, on those shots, on that touch. And so I think he's going to be one of the big people I want to see take that next step. Uh, but I agree that Booker, you know, oh, man, uh, it's if there's a recipe for disrupting the Suns in the playoffs, it's take your biggest guard or just your most high-energy guard and have him body Chris Paul as far as you can. And so I think Booker taking on that lead dog role of, you know what, Chris, you're Robin, I'm Batman now. You know, kind of like when Dwayne Wade took on LeBron. There was kind of that year, year and a half transition of this was D. Wade's team. Then it became LeBron kind of ascended and took over. Um, I think it's now's the takeover time. We, we uh, uh, are ready for Booker to kind of go into, you know, killer mode, take some of those kill shots uh, that will just destroy a team. We saw that a little bit in the Pelican series. I think, uh, Brandon, you talked about that before that uh, uh, was a hamstring pull. And he just wasn't yeah. quite the same uh, mad dog at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he can do that. And I think kind of taking that, and I think Chris uh, is going to need to relinquish that a little bit. That that That's going to be kind of the improvement I want to see from Chris Paul is knowing that father time is a real thing. Doesn't mean you can't be a number two, number three great player. But now you're going to need to demand uh, some stuff from your teammates like a, a Mikel Bridges. He can't only have the corner three and then the dribble in for a mid range jumper. Like we have to develop these guys and that's going to mean Chris going to have to let some things go, uh, let some of that control go. Yeah. And the only way for Chris to let some of that control go is to get another major impactful ball handler that he feels comfortable giving up the ball to. And so I really think it's, 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 I think it's a, incredibly important for the Suns to actually not be the exact same team this coming playoffs. They need to have another ball handler in there, another shot creator. If they swap out this, that, or the other thing to get that person, I don't know. Landry Shamit, unless he makes a huge I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't put him in the top five. Uh, well, but I think I'm saying most likely to care, help the same team win a championship. Okay. I just don't see that as Shamit's ceiling. I think a Jordan Clarkson is unconscious enough, right? Like he cares so little about whether he's taking a good shot or not. Enough of them fall and he scores. I think he's a better six-man shooter off the bench than a Landry Shamit because Landry Shamit defers way too much. I just He averaged three points a game in the freaking playoffs. But anyway, um, you've got to have something, even if it's like a Jordan Clarkson, but it, it's something obviously they're shooting for the moon on a Kevin Durant because it has to be somebody good enough that Chris Paul defers a little bit, happily defers a little bit. So I do really think that um, the Suns are going to be, um, they're going to need somebody to make a big leap and they're going to have to make a trade or two to be better this next playoffs. But focusing on this big leap, I think that I do think the most important huge leap is Devin Booker. If they don't make a trade for a player of his caliber or close um, to win a championship because, and Booker has the capacity. He really does. He just needs to be healthy and locked in for a whole playoffs and playing his best basketball. He has the capacity to play like a top five player in the playoffs. He may not play all season top five level, 
but he can be, and he can be a difference maker in the playoffs. And I think that's what's going to carry the Suns to a championship more so than incremental improvements. Look, I think we're going to see incremental improvements from all these guys. I do. I think campaign's going to have a better year. I think Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, DA, they're all going to have better years. But I'm talking if you're going to carry a team into the finals, it's got to be a big leap from somebody. And I think the most likely, the most necessary would be Devin Booker's. Well, let me ask you guys, too. What do you think and how important is it going to be that Monty – because Coach Mont, he, he reminds me of like probably some of the best bosses I've ever had. You know, the 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 kind that like give you the room to make a mistake, but then coach you up mm-hmm. so that you you don't want to ever make the mistake again. Not because you don't like making mistakes, but because you don't want to let your team down. That kind of like mm-hmm. mentality. It's a great mentality to build. But I think Monty, which is a weird thing to say about a coach of the year, right? But taking that next step of telling a star player somebody as you know amazingly historic as Chris Paul is that you know I'm going to give you 20 minutes on a back-to-back instead of letting you play your full rotation minutes and I'm sorry if you get mad at me but I need to keep you fresh and because I want you at peak performance but I and then he also needs to demand that other players Mikel, DA, Cam develop that little bit more of a create their own shot so we don't wind up in the playoffs and it's just Paul and Booker uh, trying to do it all and everyone else kind of sitting back. I mean, how important you know, I was is thinking about it adjustment? I was thinking about it this past year. They really did do make some efforts to get Cam Johnson more on ball time, to make get Mikel Bridges more on ball time, get DA more offensive opportunities. But if you think about it cl- more closely, those opportunities were when one or both of Booker and Paul were out. So when the playoffs came around and Booker and Paul were on the in the starting lineup, whether they were healthy or not or feeling good or not, all of a sudden uh, these guys took a back seat again, right? Because the offense runs through Booker and Paul. What what Monty needs to do this year is develop those guys' offense while Booker and Paul are at their peak and playing well, so that then everyone knows how to play off each other. Because the thing about this whole Suns team is they fit so well together because they understand their hierarchy. Cam Johnson is never going to score 20 points, creating his own shots uh, in a game when Devin Booker and Chris Paul are focused and healthy and locked in because he's going to defer way too much unless he gets open threes. But I mean creating his own shots. D.A. is never going to average more than 17 points in a game as long as those guys, if those guys don't change because they're when they're so locked in, they start out with D.A. being the score in the first half, then they use him as a decoy in the second half. That's so it's everyone's so used to it. Teams are now getting used to it. So things have to change a little bit. Um, And they have, those guys have to play well when Booker and Paul are in and healthy and locked in. Those guys still have to figure out where their offense is, or you find somebody who can create offense while those guys are at the top of their game. That's what yeah. makes it different in the playoffs. No, that, that's a great point from both of you guys. I think the the biggest thing is just consistency in terms of giving them those reps throughout the season with Booker and Paul on the floor. Like you need to make it almost like a, a mock environment that you're just preparing for the playoffs and do it on a consistent basis. Make it to where it's not weird that this is happening. Like it's just a part of the offense. Um, that way when you get in those tough moments in the playoffs, it's not uh, – they're not uncomfortable. I'd rather win like – you know, 52 games and kind of struggle with some of that just to get better for the playoffs than 
you know, just have a, you know, 60 plus win season again. And, you know, once they get to the playoffs, the same problems arise. Uh, I think they just need to work through some of those growing pains. Like they're, I think they'll win 50 games in their sleep this season, as long as they're healthy. Um, but getting those reps, I think, uh, even if it costs them a few games and, uh, you know, maybe gets them out of sync a little bit early on, it'll be worth it in the long run. So Mike B, sorry, Mike B in the chat says Cam, I'm assuming Cam Johnson, can be that Sean Marion type though, 18, 5, and 4 with solid defense. Man, I just don't see it because as much as he could do that, he doesn't want to do that while those other guys are out there. Um, And he even sees himself as like 6th or 7th on the pecking order behind DA and Mikel as well as as Paul and Booker. So what do you guys think? Versus like one of the ugliest shots in the league. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah right. I get what he's saying yeah. though, like in terms of <laughs> a bigger role. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think after that injury against the Knicks, he was just never the same. And it's unfortunate because it was one of the greatest performances of the season, honestly, like that, you know, the whole like bumping into Randall, like them jawing back and forth, like, and then, you know, he just ends up torching them like that. That was just an awesome game. And well, that was just a unique environment, right? The unique environment yeah. about that game is both Booker and Paul were out. Exactly. Yeah. And they needed a scorer and he decided, okay, now with everybody out, I can be a scorer. And he got really pissed off by Julius Randle and spent the entire game proving himself. Um, and that kind of mental environment did not present itself again, even when, even when he got healthy, because again, he sees himself deferring. So Mike, I think Cam can be that person, 18, five and four, but he doesn't see himself as that person in a game when everyone is healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I I always, I always think, and I've seen a little bit more on this end that Mikhail Bridges might sort of fulfill the Sean Marion role in a slightly different way. I mean, it's obviously the game's changed a bit, but uh, I saw Mikhail going in and getting some great putback offensive rebounds and, and he was really mixing it up. He wasn't just sitting in the corner. Cam's a little bit more like keep him on the perimeter and just let him get ready for that three point bomb. And then if somebody's is going to not come out and guard him, then he will go down and throw it down on you. But I don't see him kind of mixing it up as much um, that the challenge for Mikel is they do play it him a ton of minutes, just like they did with Sean. And uh, I just don't know. It, he, he certainly has the stamina, but it, it's not easy going up against like a Luca, you know, uh, for 40 minutes a game and then being like, well, why aren't you running down and getting offensive rebounds and running back out and shooting the corner three? Come on, Mikel. Sean Marion. Hey, let's take just a minute to talk about our good friends at DraftKings. Look, man, if you have not signed up for the DraftKings app, downloaded the DraftKings app and signed up for it, you've got to do it. You really have to do it. College football season is back. The NFL is just about here. Betting on these games is really fun. To celebrate this time of year right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at even bigger payout. You know, where you say, who's going to score the first touchdown? Who's going to catch the first pass? Who's going to do the first interception? Whatever it is, you can do a whole parlay on whatever on your favorite team or on whatever games are going to be on TV that you'll be able to watch. It's really fun. Download. The DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on college football and get your $200 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
you got to be 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Red, Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Now back to the show. I do think I, I do think that the team collectively hit a wall this, this past year. They had played two years straight with almost no off seasons. And I, I there was some kind of mental wall hit. And we'll see what happens after five months off and, and whether they've refound it or whether it's gone forever. We'll find out pretty quick in that first nine games, I think we'll find out. Um, okay, so what do you think? Looking at that schedule, I mean, obviously the schedule is only so, so um, uh, unique because you, tip, you you play the same teams every year, the same number of games. So ultimately, the Suns, 41 home games, 41 road games. That's what it's going to be after 82. What's their record going to be? What's your prediction right now, assuming where everybody else is in the West? How many wins do you think the Suns get out of 82? Brandon. I'm going to go 56. I think um, the, the West improving and them kind of treating the season as more of a marathon. Like I, I just can't see them uh, hitting that 60 win mark again, unless they really are committed to just proving everyone wrong throughout, like even the late stages of the season. So I'm going to go with the conservative 56. And for me, it's just about like, you know, are they ready for the playoffs? That's all I'm looking at. I don't really well, care. Well, do you think – do you think 56 what does that get him as as far as a seed in the west? Uh I think I think this year is going to be a weird season in the west. I could see that being the one seed honestly. Um I think there's going to be a lot of teams in that, you know, low 50 to like mid 50 range and wins and it's just going to be a you know, a little bit of a cluster there at the top. So I, I still think there'll be a top 2 seed in the west. Uh, yeah, this it's just going to be fun to watch how you know, that I think those top eight teams in the West, there's going to be a lot of like shuffling throughout the year. What do you think, Jake? Uh, that was actually my exact thought. So, uh, <laughs> you uh, got to come want, up with a different exactly. one. Exactly. I don't want Sosa's to call for me to be <laughs> fired again. Uh, but uh, so I'll, I'll go 57 and uh, say, so, yeah, um, we will be the number one seed. Uh, I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't think we'll go um, uh, for the full the 60 plus um, just because uh, I'm still not really sold on the far back end of our bench. Um, and I think that I could see that happening again, kind of like last season where we start giving the starters just games off and playing those guys. And I don't think they would win games uh, as easily. Um, so I think it'll be just a little bit more moderated and, uh, and, you know, hopefully we reduce uh, some average minutes down so that when we walk in, uh, we're a little fresher. So what did you predict? Oh, sorry. 57, 57, 57. And is that a top two seed or is that a, a third or fourth seed or lower? Bernie, I said all this, didn't I? Is is, is the tobacco pipe small kit in you, Dave? I, I, yeah, probably is. I was thinking about my own number one seed. One. Yeah. But then you just kept talking. And, I, 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 I got to explain myself here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think we're all pretty much on the same page. I think the West is getting stronger, and we're going to look through the Western teams right now. 
Um, but before we do, and I, you're, you guys are all probably right on, I think 55 wins. I'm going to go 55, and I'm going to say a top three seed in the West. I think there's going to be one or two teams that play really, really great, and I think the Suns are going to be less focused on regular season wins this next year um, because they're going to want to be at their best by playoff time. So sorry about that, Jake. I dozed off trying to think about my own. And then our next I've got that, that honey soothing voice that just rocks everyone to sleep. Yeah, that that's it. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> so I want to touch on something that came out this week that kind of went under the radar, and I want to know you guys' opinion of it. Um, first, there was rumor that DeAndre Aiden was going to join the Bahamas team for um, their off-season tournament. I, I forget which one that is that the Bahamas are playing in, but he is eligible. He is from the Bahamas. He could play for the Bahamian national team. And um, there was there was a short-term rumor that he might join the team because uh, the coach was asked about three different NBA players who could join that team. I forget who the other two were. Um, and the coach said, yep. And then a week later, it was like, no, but not DeAndre Aiden. Do you guys think that DeAndre Ayton, A, should play for the Bahamian national team, and B, for what reason, what would he get out of it? That's what I want to know. So, Brandon, what do you think? Um, I, I mean, I think he should do whatever he wants. Like, at this point, this is your first offseason you've had in a long time, like full offseason. So, like I said, there's I think there's benefits to going to the Bahamas and, uh, you know, playing for the Bahamas, sorry, and – getting those reps in is like kind of like the focal point of the offense. And uh, there is pros to that, but also at the same time, um, as long as he's working on his game, I don't really, I don't really care if he plays for them or not. Um, I think, you know, Dario playing makes sense coming off an injury, trying to get those reps in, get that rust off before the season starts. Um, but yeah. I think, you know, Deandre, I don't really have like a, a strong take one way or the other on that. I think there's positives to it. And then, then there's also the, risk of injury and is it really worth it uh which you know i don't really follow like the i know they have like buddy healed over there but i'm not sure like he'd be yeah. getting blaze uh many. blaze pointed out buddy buckets yeah buddy healed is the other bahamian player and then i think the third guy is is a fringe player but i can't remember but yeah, yeah uh not, healed not i guess is of, gonna play not a ton of people to throw him uh, entry passes or get him good looks so uh, could, could run into the same issues that he's had at the Suns of not getting the ball enough. So who knows? What do you think, Jake? Well, I mean, uh, a happy DA is a, is a good DA and, and we all know that he loves to, you know, he, uh, Dave, you've talked about this. Like if he wasn't playing in the NBA, he'd be strutting the beach and, uh, and swimming out in the ocean a little bit. So he could just do it as a little bit of a, Hey, give something back to the home country, um, and get some reps in, uh, kind of like a free vacation, uh, getting in the practice reps. But uh, I think, you know, whereas I look at Dario kind of doing like the Rocky, uh, you know, four stuff of like going back and like maybe he's working out at some farm and, you know, scaling a mountain and then you know, screaming <laughs> Croatia or something like that. Um, I, I think if DA goes to the Bahamas, it's going to be a lot more chill. It's going to be a lot more in the hammock. So I'd rather see him not do that and put in the reps uh, back here in the States and, uh, you know, just just get better, uh, you know, uh, locally or so, somewhere else, wherever he wants to in the U.S. But uh, I think uh, getting in some more scrimmages against uh, some uh, higher end guys rather than the local Bahamians, Bahamanians, Bahamians, Bahamians. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting because there's 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 the multiple ways to look at it. On one hand, 
playing in, in an off-season tournament leading up to training camp can help get, help you get into the best shape, right? You can be in great shape coming into training camp. But on the other hand, it can wear you out. Um, I remember Dario, when he first joined the Suns, he was, he was uh, talking about how it is draining going from NBA season to Croatian, you know, tournament, to NBA season to Croatian tournament. And he would always start slow uh, the new season and shoot like 20% from three for two months and then 40% from three the rest of the time. Nice, Jake. He's Sorry, it's really, it's really picking up. It wasn't even intentional. Um, and so you don't want DA to end up tired and worn out. I don't know that he would, but you don't want to take that chance necessarily. The other thing is, is those, those competitions, those tournaments do not build skills. It's the, it's the side work. It's the working with trainers and, and player development coaches and guys on the side where you're going to learn new skills. We don't know if DA is doing that or not this off season, but I, but for those who think he can hone his skills or improve his skills to have an even better year by playing for um, half a dozen games for the Bahamian national team, all he's not. He's not going to learn anything. The coach only wants to win games. The coach is not there to develop DA's skills for the Phoenix Suns. He's there to win games. A guy like Buddy Hill is perfect because he's just a shooter. So you're just going to keep shooting, and that's great. But DA does need to develop skills. He does need to work on things, and maybe he is working on things. And I'm not defending DA for not playing for the Bahamas, but all I'm saying is because he could come in completely out of shape laying on a beach until the day before training camp. We don't know until he actually shows up to training camp. But I don't think playing for the Bahamian national team is the thing that's going to help him or hurt him. All it might have done is get him in, get his wind a little bit quicker for training camp. We'll see how he shows up. If he's in great shape when he shows up, that's awesome. If he's not in great shape, but he's in great shape by the start of the season, that's fine too. Um, but, you know, I don't think having played for the Bahamian national team is going to, what's going to improve his skills at all. You're just, you're just playing games. You're not doing skill development. Okay, so that's a take on uh, with the Bahamas. Now let's go through the rest of the West, and let's talk about who did improve and who didn't improve in the West because there are some big-time players coming back from injury, and at this point we have to assume they're all in line to come back from injury. Although I will make one exception. Memphis won the second seed in the West last year with 56 wins, eight games behind the Suns. Um, they had a really, really great year. They have, they even won without John Morant for a little while on their team uh, because he was hurt for different stages. But guess who was healthy almost the entire season was Jaron Jackson Jr., who became like one of the best defenders in the NBA. And, um, and, you know, really, really good player, really good glue guy for the Grizzlies. He has a foot issue and is going to miss a lot of the season because of this foot issue. So that's an injury already that's going to impact one of the contenders. But other guys coming back, Kawhi Leonard coming back, Paul George coming back, Clay Thompson getting even healthier potentially, Denver with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., um, Dallas getting Tim Hardaway Jr. back. I mean, that helps a little bit, although their wings played so dang well. It's um, I don't know how Tim Hardaway could have played better than those guys. Minnesota stepping up with having Rudy Gobert on their team. Zion Williamson coming back for the Pelicans. Which team, let's talk about that. Which team do you think is going to make the biggest jump 
due to health. Biggest jump in improvement, biggest improvement due to having health this year versus last year in terms of win-loss totals. Um, I'll go with the Pelicans on this one just because you look at the Clippers and Nuggets and uh, Grizzlies and like teams like that, they've all kind of – they had good records last year and like anyways, and now they're going to get healthy. So I think they'll get – those teams will all get better. Um, but I think the, the Pelicans adding McCollum and, you know, having a healthy Ingram and potentially Zion too, uh, they're, they're the team that I think is going to make that, that huge leap. Um, and to your point with like the Grizzlies, I think with Jaron Jackson missing time and um, Ted Lubin in, in the chat mentioned, you know, they mm-hmm. lost Kyle Anderson and D'Anthony Melton, which, you know, I almost forgot he went to the Sixers. That was kind of a sneaky good pickup for them. Um, mm-hmm. So losing some of that depth, you know, that, that's a team that maybe could regress a little bit in the regular season. Yeah, even though they have a young core that I think will will get better. Um, but, but yeah, I think that the Pelicans are the team that really stand out the most of making that that leap. Yeah, my only concern about the Pelicans, my only hesitation on there is in the year that Zion was healthy, of course, they didn't have a great team around him. But in the year Zion was healthy, he kind of took a lot of the airspace that that Brandon Ingram wanted. So Brandon Ingram was an all-star the year before. Then Zion gets healthy and he kind of gets lost in the offense. And then Zion's out again and Brandon Ingram becomes the next Kevin Durant. So I'm, I want to wait and see on how well those two jive together and if they maximize each other's talents because then you've also got C.J. McCollum taking a ton, ton, of, ton of shots. So anytime you have an offense that might lessen the impact of a Brandon Ingram, you could, you could potentially not be improving yourself as much as, it, as, as you might think. Zion is an incredible talent, though. It may not make a difference. Um, what do you think, Jake? Do you think the Pelicans make the biggest leap in wins? They won that 10th seed. They made the play in. They, they scared the Suns in the first round. Um, do you think they become like a solid playoff contender, or do you think somebody else jumps? Yeah, I think somebody else is going to jump. And at first, when I was hearing the question, I was thinking right away the Clippers. Uh, but then you said win-loss, biggest win-loss jump. And then I thought, you know, it's going to be Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets with MVP Jokic, and they've been missing basically two, one all-star or two fringe all-stars, I guess. Uh, and uh, oh God, don't, don't! I will fringe. not let you call fringe. Michael Porter Jr. a fringe all-star. The dude has barely made any. That's like calling Buddy Heald a fringe all-star. Don't. That's ridiculous. Okay, one fringe all-star and one <laughs> good starter, one, one strong offensive weapon. Yes. Um, well, and and let's be honest with what's been hurting the Nuggets. It, they get to the playoffs, and it's like, okay, uh, Jokic is, has to do everything because nobody can get a bucket. So, getting two other guys back that can actually create their own offense is going to be very big for them. I could see them very much pushing all of a sudden. I don't think they're going to compete for the title i don't but i think from that win-loss perspective the fact that you can have somebody like uh, the joker keeping you in that four five six seed and then you're going to add two players back like this if they're healthy i could see them number one number two seed all right so you got denver making a big jump i have a lot more uh belief in jamal murray making a huge difference i still remember that dude if as as much as you think Steph Curry has a huge step back for his three that looks almost illegal, 
Jamal Murray has had that a huge step back for his mid ranger when he does the 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 turnaround step back thing that creates so much space. It's it's just crazy. And and he was playing really 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 well when he went down um, a year ago. So I do agree that Denver's going to have a leap. They had 48 wins last year. They were six seed. I do think they're going to make a jump if they can stay healthy for sure. I agree with you there. Um, the Pelicans, I'm not quite as sold on, but you know what? They're, they've got a high ceiling, low floor. Like Denver has a high floor and a higher ceiling. The Pelicans, their floor is pretty bad, pretty low. And their and their their ceiling is pretty high, um, so I, I I think that's really interesting. I think Minnesota is an interesting one. I think they're going to win a lot of regular season games. Um, the only their only issue is they don't really have that veteran who's a leader, floor leader. I don't think Patrick Beverly is that type, a real leader type. He's a he's a spark plug. But he's not really a leader. Yeah. Um, and Rudy Gobert is more of kind of like on the DeAndre Ayton side where he's not going to be your emotional leader, um, but he will be quite effective when he's out there. So I I worry about Minnesota having the leadership unless Anthony Edwards grows into a top 10 player immediately. Um, But I'd I'd say I I agree with Jake that I think Denver's going to make potentially the biggest leap. I think Memphis might actually have the bigger drop, although that may be only five games, you know, from 56 to 51. That'll be Utah. Thankfully. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Utah's gone. Utah is completely San out. Yeah, San Antonio, they, uh, Utah, OKC, they're all going to be fighting for uh Wembenyama, right? It's what's the what's the mantra for the getting that 7-6 lift guy? Fail yeah, for the French. Wembenyama. Yeah. Fail for the French. Freak. There you go. Yeah. No, that's uh those guys are going to be fighting for the bottom of the of the conference. So yeah, you're right. Utah's going to have a huge drop. Golden State Warriors, do you think they're better this coming year or worse this coming year or the same? I think they'd be a little better just from the development of their younger players absorbing a little bit more time. But I I think that they'll kind of otherwise stay win-loss record fairly much the same. Yeah, I agree. I think they lost a couple of decent role players like, you know, Otto Porter and Gary Payton. But, you know, their development of like Moody and Kaminga – Wiseman coming back, like there's, there's some areas where they can kind of offset that, and uh, I think they'll be more or less the same. If Clay can get closer to like his old self, then that's kind of their their ticket to taking a, a little bit of a leap. But I think they'll be around that same ballpark. So I think it all depends on Steph Curry. Steph Curry had his worst shooting season I think last year until the playoffs hit, and then suddenly he was hitting everything. I really think the Warriors just uh, dipped into their magic bag and pulled out their, you know, their their incredible play in the playoffs as the as the playoff went on. That was they looked really really good. They looked back to their 2017 levels. But I'm going to continue to be skeptical about them because Steph is approaching mid 30s, and while Chris Paul is still playing great at 37, who knows how people age? You've got Steph approaching mid 30s. You've got Draymond Green approaching mid 30s. You've got Clay. Um, early to, I think he's 33 this next year. Those guys are getting older that they're counting on and their young dudes are super young. So I'm, I don't know. I mean, they're still going to win 55 games. They're still going to be a top three or four seed in the West. 
And once they get to the playoffs, then they become even more dangerous, which I was saying all last year, too. If they get healthy in the playoffs, they're the most dangerous team, and they turned out to be. Um, so they're, I th- you're right. I think they're about the same. I just don't think they're like a lot of a lot of people think they're going to be even better next year because they're healthy and their young guys are going to grow. I don't know that they're going to be that much better. So um, that's uh, that's that's the biggest leaps. You think the biggest fall is going to be Utah? Um, Brandon, Jake, do you see anyone else making a big tumble this year? Uh, I mean, not like Utah. Um <laughs> Maybe uh, the Nets, depending on how uh, everything shakes out in the end. But um, uh, no, I, I think the, the only I'm very, very curious to see this Timberwolves experiment go on because, you know, me, I like I like uh, I like good uh, big, you know, post players uh, that can uh, body up. Uh, but uh, as you point out every show, uh, that's not really the modern NBA. So this could really backfire on them. They're like it, it'd be like kind of like. Um, I don't know if anyone here is an Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan, but there is an episode where some of the characters buy a rental store and they're like, we, we wanted to invest in an emerging market. And somebody goes, rental stores are a dying market. And they go, well, then we're going to corner that market. I feel like that's the Timberwolves right now. It's like, OK, big guys in the post, that, that that's kind of where they play. They're going to corner that and that could end up winning some games or it could over time just be just kind of like a wound that won't heal and they're going to have to blow it up in the trade deadline area. Yeah. That's, that's the team I'm most, most interested in watching just because it's so unique. Um, just like from a, a philosophy standard, like it seems like it's just set up to fail, but I mean, they are as much as I don't like cat and Gobert uh, with some of their antics they do and stuff there, you can't deny their talent. They're both Gobert is one of the best at what he does and cats one of the best at what he does. Um, they definitely have their flaws hundred percent, but uh, it's going to be like a talent meets like philosophy type of battle. So that, that's going to be cool to watch. Do you feel like Carl uh, Anthony towns is going to be an even better player full-time next to Rudy Gobert than he has been? Or do you think he gets blocker. a little bit lost in the shuffle? Um, I think I'll be about the same. Honestly, I don't see Gobert is not really going to take away from, anyone's offense like uh you know he's always been more of a complimentary piece on that end so um you know if anything it just gives him an easy outlet to hit you know down low uh for for some more assists when the defense closes out on him so uh i don't think it'll make him uh i think he'll probably score a little bit more honestly just with the the floor spacing yeah it's it's interesting because i think he's going to be taking a lot more outside shots so i could actually see his percentages drop a bit yeah. but he, he, overall he'll put the you know he'll, he'll get some more points I think what's going to be interesting is his rebound numbers I think will go down not just because yeah. Rudy's going to absorb more of that but also just because he's going to be pulled out uh you know because uh, most fours you know if, if playing the Suns Jay Crowder's not going to run down to try and get the offensive rebound so Cat's going to be uh, on the outside too so uh, I think he's going to yeah I'll, I think you'll see his points increase his but he's going to be probably taking more outside shots than ever before he's good at it um but uh you know we'll see how how mobile he really is uh when he's not being guarded by the other team's five out there and he's being guarded by like a jay crowder that can kind of stick <clears> with him too so uh yeah it's, it's gonna be fun to watch 
Yeah, there was a stat, and I'm just I'm just going to be curious because there was a stat where Towns um, had a really I can't remember what the stat was, but he had a really high turnover rate when he was pounding the ball in the post. Uh, when he'd get double teamed is when he would, um, you know, turn the ball over more than you'd want him to. Not like high, like not like all the time, but um, he wasn't as reliable uh, putting the ball on the floor. And I feel like at the power forward position. He'll be coming in from the outside to get into the post. So he'll be dribbling more and then he'll be dribbling and turning into the other defender uh, that might have to leave Rudy Gobert to pick him up if he bullies through the guy he starts on. And then it's going to be up to him to be able to get really good at dumping off to Rudy on the backside. So I'm, I'm curious. And then, um, yeah, Ant-Man going to need to, Blaze says Ant-Man going to need to turn into a sniper with that clogged ass key. That's true. When you've got those two guys wandering in from the outside, unless you convince Carl Anthony Towns to never step inside the three point line without a pass coming to him. Um, Anthony Edwards is going to have a hard time driving to the hoop into the defenders. You need to create space. You need to have space. That's how Dallas did so well unexpectedly in the playoffs this past year is they had three guys who could drive into the paint and there was nobody in their way because they played five out offense. Um, so all their guys were standing on the, on the perimeter, even, even up around the, up around the angles on the perimeter, they had maxi out there and all that. So I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like the wolves are going to win a lot of games, but I feel like they're going to be real clunky and that makes them real predictable in the playoffs. And I actually think, so Carl Anthony Towns has been all NBA level, all star when he's playing well, when he's not dealing with losing his family to, to, you know, the pandemic and all that incredible player. But part of that is because he's been playing center. And I think when you put him out to the power forward, you're almost putting him out to pasture enough to where he's going to lose some of that attention. He's going to lose some of that, um, that focus. So I think his numbers will go down. I think the wills will win more games. His numbers will go down a little bit. And we'll see if that's for the better or worse for the Wolves. Um, so I'm really curious to see how the Wolves turn out this year. So real quick, so they won 46 games last year. Do you guys see them topping that? And if so, by how many games? What's your prediction on their their record? Because I agree. I think they're kind of set I say up they get good. 50. I say 50-51. And they're a five seed. That's my prediction. It'll be, they'll be just below the, the, home, the home court rounds. Jake? I think they uh, they take a step back and they miss the playoffs. Uh, um, yeah, uh, just because uh, I, I, like I said, I think this is the biggest wild card. They could go up ten wins or down ten wins because we haven't even mentioned former All Star, actual All Star, not like Porter uh, Porter Junior. But uh, D'Angelo oh. Russell, he's not a great three point shooter, and so he's really good. He has to drive in and dish or take you know shots at the basket or m- middies and. Again, like, well, but that he loves that though. D'Angelo Russell actually might enjoy these these guys because he doesn't. He hates getting to the rim. Never goes to the rim. D'Angelo Russell runs himself. It takes threes or runs himself into a contested two or whatever. So he's he's kind of like a mini Devin Booker in that in that case. Um, Booker stopped going to the rim as much too in the past couple of years. Russell loves being able being held to a mid range shot. And so um, the key is whether he's good at him, you know, in that in that season. But I think it's you know if if it was like a Steph Curry or uh, Jamal Murray at point for the T Wolves, I'd be 
thinking that there's more of a higher ceiling for him because a deep mm. shot three-point shooter like that that can also create and dish uh, would be better than guys that have to streak it in a little bit closer because uh, there's going to be a lot of defenders that can hedge off and throw up a hand and uh, disrupt those shots uh, and still stay on Rudy or Cat. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, and it, it might be one of those um, tire fires, and it might actually work really well. I just think they have that they're not built for winning in the playoffs. I just don't think so until they prove us otherwise. I guess. Um, but you know what? Every team has to make their, their make their steps, right? And what's going to help the Wolves ultimately is really Anthony Edwards becoming the best player in the game, not necessarily Cat or Gobert. Yeah, I love Ant. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. Definitely a still unpolished product and has a lot of room to grow, but his ceiling is uh, – I think he has one of the highest ceilings in the league just with his athleticism and ability to hit tough shots. Kaiko, um, Kaiko in the chat asked about any news on KD. Sorry, this is a KD-free zone this weekend. There is no new news other than everyone in the league is still frozen, waiting on something for KD. Um, I'm surprised they actually put the schedule out, waiting for KD. But they actually <laughs> just did, they did put the schedule out. And the only thing I'll say about the KD thing is the Nets are almost nowhere to be seen on the big national games. I actually have one thing that I found very interesting. Um, so <clears throat> when is DeAndre ineligible to be traded again? I think it's January 15th. 15th? Yeah. January yeah. 15th. I, I knew the answer to that. I was just kind of setting up the next part of this. Ah. Um, who do the Suns play on January 19th on a national TV game? Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> the Nets. Very interesting. Uh, and I don't really? know if that's – I mean, hey, maybe Why they do it without DeAndre. Be? <laughs> right? Yeah, Why would exactly. that be? So, I just yeah. don't think the NBA is as creative, though, as like the NFL is when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like oh, yeah. there's, there's so Watson being parts. like, wait a minute, we're giving you 11 game suspension just so that you can come back and face the Houston Texans. But I mean, we, we totally made it with logic in mind, not that we want you to come back and play your old <laughs> team that just traded you. Not at all. Yeah, yeah definitely. But I just, I found, I saw that and I was like, huh, interesting. Mike B says, uh, Forget that guy and go get Boyan and Clarkson. Boyan Bogdanovich and Clarkson from the Jazz. Yeah, those guys couldn't get out of the first, second round. So, eh, I'm not as excited about that. Look, here's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna preach this all season long. You don't. We've seen it for two years. You don't win playoff series. Cam Johnson is not necessarily going to win you a playoff series. Neither is Boyan. Neither is Jordan Clarkson. Who wins you playoff series are guys like. Chris Paul and Devin Booker at their best and Kevin Durant types, those types of guys. That's why we need Devin Booker to make that next leap. If the Suns don't acquire Sherlock fallen founder, Darth Voida says, <laughs> well, what do you know? I've done the investigation and I feel like this is how the schedule it's is go. elementary. My dear Watson elementary. <laughs> Um, okay, so as far as the East, um, do you see any team that had like who? Who do you think is going to win the East this next year? Let's just let's just boil it down. Who's going to win the East? Is it the Bucks getting healthy again? Is it going to be Philadelphia with James Harden playing like James Harden again? Who's going to win the East? I'm I'm going to go with the Bucks just because the national media, as we know, as soon as Kevin Durant was like, "I'd like to go to Phoenix," they're like. 
Boston Celtics look like the leading contenders to get Kevin Durant and and maybe other team, Toronto Raptors. So the national media does not like to report on smaller market teams. So with the Bucks as good as they are and as quiet as they've been and just mm-hmm. slowly continuing to improve, uh, I think that they are going to be number one, number two, and make the, uh, a very good run. I'm not sold on the 76ers still. What do you think about the? Let's talk about the Celtics real quick. Sorry, I didn't mention the Celtics as one of the obviously they made the play the finals this past year. Did you think about the Celtics? Did, do you think they're going to beat out the Bucks, or do you think the Bucks kind of have it? I think the Bucks will beat out the Celtics this time. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. What about you, Brandon? Hundred percent agree. I think uh, my take is this year if the Bucks stayed healthy, if Middleton is healthy, they they would have repeated as champs. I think uh, they're going to win the East and whoever comes out of the West is going to have a tough time. That's, uh, you know, people forget at full strength, like how tough that team is. Um, Celtics are definitely, I think the one team that has a recipe to take them down um, in terms of just their versatility on defense. And uh, you know, that's, I think that's going to be the Eastern conference championship right there getting way too ahead of myself, but uh, that's, that's kind of, I think the, the two top teams. Yeah. I mean, what would derail that is, Injuries, right? Yep. So the Bucks probably would have made the, the finals again, the conference finals, at least this year, if they hadn't lost Chris Middleton. And shout out to the Cavs. I have to I have to say it. They're they're not at that level yet, but that team is fun as hell. And a couple leaps here and there, and like they could get there in a couple years. Yeah. Um what's interesting about the Celtics is they they have with the with the core of Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. They've been in the playoffs and made a couple of conference finals and all that over the last few years. They just didn't have it to get to the, over the top because they didn't have that top 10 player who could close out a game. Top eight player. This is what I'm talking about with the Devin Booker type is, is that it wasn't until Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown took turns being that unstoppable force in key games that they made it, you know, they finally, that got them to the finals. So now you got to wonder, do they stay at that super transcendent level or do they regress back to the only all-star level guys they were before that? Do you see Jason Tatum staying at the very top and becoming a you know, top eight you know, type player, top seven? I say top eight because top five is pretty solid. Um, you've got a little bit of wiggle room to make it into a top eight. Like that's where LeBron James at 38 years old is. Um, as far as impact on the game and stuff like that, top 10 books already there. Jason Tatum was already there. So that's what I mean is moving up a little bit up the ladder. Do you see Jason Tatum staying up there? Do you think that was like a, a flash and now he's going to settle back into only being top 10 or 15? Brandon, what do you think? I think there's a lot of similarities to Tatum and Booker in that sense where they, they have those moments and like stretches where they look like, their top five MVP level talents. And then they'll have, you know, still being as young as they are, they'll have those moments where they kind of like fade a little bit or don't keep that consistent level of, you know, being a dominant player, which is tough. It's very tough to do it um, in, the, in the playoffs, especially. But uh, I think he'll probably stick around that. I think him and Booker are both going to be top eight players. Um, and they're, they're both getting close to hitting their peak. So uh, to me, I think, you know, this is just the beginning of Tatum and, you know, he obviously had some struggles in the finals, but I think that just comes with the growth of, you know, taking that leap. Well, he had struggles in the finals in the same way the book ended up having struggles in the, in the series that Suns lost the last two years, which is mm-hmm. all of a sudden the defense decided this guy isn't going to beat us. 
and uh, they didn't have quite enough counters around the rest of the team to, to like Golden State. You could decide you're going to shut down Steph Curry, and actually early in Steph Curry's ascendancy, he was able to be shut down until Draymond Green decided I'm not going to let that happen again. So Draymond Green becoming that screen setter, they they developing their little passes to each other to get Steph back open. They changed how they did their their screens where Steph would run into one, then run away from it and all that. Um, they became very creative in getting Steph still shots with the ball after losing one of the finals because Steph was able to be relatively shut down. So we'll see Jason Tatum. We'll see with Devin Booker on whether their teams can find ways to get them back open again and able to make the difference even when the defense is trying like hell to stop them. Um, by the way, Jalen Brown and and, uh, and and Devin Booker are the same age. People say, oh, the Celtics are so young. Well, you know, the Suns are young, except for Devin, or excuse me, except for Chris Paul. Uh, Jalen Brown's 25, Devin Booker 25. Jason Tatum is still 23. DeAndre Aydens is 23 or just turned 24. So um, the Celtics are young. And I do think that they have a chance to get back to the finals, but I do. It's it's a it's a prove it season, just like it was for the Suns this past year, and we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, we are I an hour mad. ten in. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Go oh, sorry, ahead. I got to get all Mad Dog Russo on this. I do not buy into the uh, the Taysom hype. I, I think he's a top twenty, top twenty five player at best. Uh, I, I yes, I I think Jay. Uh, I just saw Blaze brought it up too. Jalen Brown is the better player. Uh, and I agree with Darth. It was the overall defensive package that the Celtics could roll out that uh, Jason uh, Tatum just happens to be the top scorer on a great defensive team. He's the Rip Hamilton of the Pistons uh, when they won the finals. So I, I do not buy into the hype that he's going to go a whole lot further than this. So I'm going to go very negative. I still think they can compete in the East, but uh, I'm just not. I, I think uh, th that's why they want to consider Kevin Durant because uh, Tatum's going to be uh, – uh, option number two, not option number one. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I myself fell into the trap. I did it to myself. I said, Jason Tatum got shut down in the finals in the way that Devin Booker has been shut down in series he lost, right? I said that. And yet we forget that Devin Booker had back-to-back -back 40 balls in the finals. They were losses, but he had back-to-back -back 40 balls. He was not shut down. He was he he shut himself down. I think against the Mavericks this year. I don't know what the hell happened there, but um, and part of that might have been health on his hamstring and stuff. We don't know. But you're right. Um, Jason Tatum got shut down in the finals a lot more than Devin Booker ever did, and I shouldn't have fallen into my into that trap. So you don't think Jason Tatum is as is as good as even like his All NBA All Star level? Perennial All Star, uh, but I, I maybe. Uh... NBA, uh, you know what? Uh, maybe he makes uh, one of the top three. You know, uh, what am I thinking? Third team of, uh, or second team? Yeah, third team. I, I feel like he could make a third team a few times, but I just some about. I mean, he's, his his shot selection and his shot performance in clutch times. Yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, he, he he's a good shooter for his size, like. But no, he, he's not. He, he's not going to be your number one option winning a title. Sorry, Boston fans. Don't at me. <laughs> nah, All right, real quick, we're, we're about hour fifteen into this. Let's uh, let's go through our true false. I'm keeping everybody. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. We got a little, one more segment to go on the show. 
we're going to do a rapid fire through true false. I'll let Brandon, you take it away. I was just going to say Timberwolves fans and Celtics fans are not your friend right now, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's run through this real quick. Like none of these are too, too crazy, but um, true or false. The season opener against the Mavericks is an important statement game for Phoenix and not just another regular season game. Uh, I'd say, okay, wait. So the literal writing of the question is the season opener against the Mavs is an important statement game for Phoenix. I agree with that, but I also agree. It's just a regular season game. So um, I, I think it is an important statement game. Like it was for the nuggets to beat the Suns to open last, last season after the Suns had swept the nuggets the year before in the playoffs, the nuggets needed that win to get their mind right and get their, season off to a good start. I, I think that was important for the Nuggets, and it was not important for the Suns to have won that opening game. Um, same is true here. It's really important for the Suns to win the opening game, whereas the Mavericks, I think, are going to coast a little bit in there because they know they already had the Suns number. So um, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to say true the way it's written as is the season opener important. Yes. True. Absolutely think, true. This is the Revenge Tour 2022 2023, and it starts game one. Uh, it, it's one of those classic. Uh, I, I forgot who tweeted it out, but it was so, so spot on. If we win, people will say, well, Yeah, well, don't forget about that game seven meltdown that you guys had in the playoffs. But if we lose, they'll say, See, the Mavericks are just better. So let's right. just go out and beat them down. Like, let's yeah. embarrass them if we can. There you go. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a blowout win. But I mean, obviously, you need to see who's healthy and all that. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a statement game, and I agree. Um, all right, next question. The Pacific Division is the toughest in the NBA. I got to look at my divisions again because I don't think divisions matter as much anymore as they used to, although they, they do have some tiebreakers involved in them. Man, you got Golden State, you got the Clippers, you got the Lakers who are still trying to be relevant, you've got the Suns. <laughs> Um, and you've got the Kings and it's like the Kings, are they going to be relevant this year? I don't know, but man, you've got four teams, at least three teams who could be at the top of the West overall and maybe three of the best teams in the entire league. So I, I'm going to say true. I think it is the, the, the toughest division in the NBA. Yeah, true. Too many, too many teams that uh, have the potential to make deep playoff runs. Yeah, I agree. I think the Atlantic was close last year with like full strength Brooklyn, but now that they're kind of a little bit of a shit show, I think it's pretty clearly the Pacific. Um, and like Dave said, divisions don't really matter as much anymore, but it's just. But man, three of the possible finalists, the three finalists with, with the best chance to be finalists coming out of the Pacific, yeah. it's got to be. I think it's, be it could be even an all time good division, depending on if the Kings can figure themselves out and i feel like the kings would make the playoffs if they were in the east though i, I mean, think so i think they'll make anybody the play can in. Make the playoffs i think they'll be the 10 seed this year and make the play in that's my yeah. prediction with them Ooh, kings with a 10 seed all right uh next one true or false the sun should sign another point guard to challenge campaign for the backup role <laughs> dave that reaction out of the gate i'm gonna let you go well, the only one out there sitting and waiting for a job that could possibly beat out campaign would be Dennis Schroeder. That's basically what I was hinting at with that question. Yeah, I know. Um, and there is evidence in history that Dennis Schroeder 
has played well in a three-guard rotation with Chris Paul when they did that with OKC and they got the fourth seed or fifth seed, I think it was, with OKC. Yes, all that is true. But Schroeder has talked himself, played himself off of a lot of teams since then. There's something about his impact in a locker room that people don't love and they don't want to keep around. So I am not a fan of Schroeder. I'd rather have campaign cheering the hell out of it and, and hoping he has a better season and being the better teammate. That's what I'd rather have. So I'm going to stay with pain. Um, so I'm going to say false on your question, Jake. Yeah. False. I, I think uh, I would actually lean a little bit. Is Rashawn Rondo still unsigned too? Stop. Uh, I, I, he can fulfill the Alfred Him and Whiteside, man. Ooh. And that is where I'm going. We're you know how false. to build a team. Uh, Dwight Howard's still out there. <laughs> That's on white side. Bring me somebody that blocks shots and clogs the middle. I don't need him to do anything 2014 more than 10 is calling. Game, and he doesn't have to play every game. <laughs> and get me white side because Howard seems to upset his teammates too. So give me white side. He's, you know, he was a fan favorite in Utah driving his Hummer around Salt Lake City. Bring it down to the Valley. Uh, yeah, might be a comment that yes. um, we got to see pain with Sarge back. <laughs> Payne is better with Sarge because Sarge can do some of the connecting, some of the offense passing and all that. The Payne doesn't do as well. So I, I do want to see Payne with Sarge back. Brandon, yeah, what do you the, think? The whole, the whole meme that's been kind of beat to death. Uh, Payne unlocks Dario or Dario unlocks Payne, whatever. Just yeah. it's been all over. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I think they're going to roll in with campaign and, and sham it and see what they have. And if, if Payne doesn't get better, trade deadline – there's going to be plenty of options, so no need to yeah. for, like force yourself into assigning you regret uh, just for you know competition. Um, all right, and the last one, true or false? The, that one guy from Brooklyn is traded for, before the season begins. I think it's true. I think it's true. I think he's traded. I think if he does go anywhere, it's to the Suns. I don't think the Raptors will end up um, offering or the Celtics offering a package that the Nets would like better than the Suns package um, because they're not going to want to acquire a guy who's already, you know, he's already a cancer on his current team. So, and I think the Nets are going to want to move on. I think Joe Tsai has made it clear and he's giving his front office the summer to figure this out, but he's made it clear he'd much rather have a lower ceiling team that plays hard than this high ceiling team that thinks they run the joint. So, and I also think Kevin Durant will be a lot better in the Suns environment than he is in the Nets environment. So I, I think, I think he gets traded before the season begins. Jake. Yeah. The, the guy in Brooklyn, uh, uh, will be traded before the start of the season. Yes, Kyrie Irving will be traded to the LA Lakers before the start <laughs> of the season is a correct statement. I believe that is true. That was that, that I was think cal is just calculated. I think, yeah, uh, yeah, that was a well phrased question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I agree. I think Kyrie to LA and and KD to Phoenix both seem like they're kind of under the table deals that are just waiting to happen. Uh, who knows when they will? But I think at least one of the two will be traded before the season, and I feel like if one is, then the other one shortly after will be. So I think that's a good bet. Well, and I think if Dario brings the pain. 
Irving is going to unlock the, the KD sweepstakes too. Because as soon as he's gone, KD is going to go, no, I will sit out. I will not play here. Uh, you just yeah. traded my buddy. And uh, we definitely aren't going to win with just me and Ben Simmons. So, Exactly. Yeah, yeah I don't think uh, LeBron agrees to that two-year extension unless there was a promise that they're going to move off of Russell Westbrook and, the, and get someone like a Kyrie. And then that just starts the dominoes going. Um, Mike B says, false. The Suns love Mikel. Chris Paul and everyone loves Mikel. Yeah, it's not about whether you love the guy. It's whether you can be a better team. And you cannot argue that um, you cannot argue against the Suns being better with that certain guy, that tall guy, seven footer from the Nets Hassan than they are with Mikel. Yeah, stop. <laughs> okay, so that's our true false. The last thing is a hot take. Do you guys have any other final thought or hot take? Tell us where we can find you around the web and then give your final hot take. Zona. All right, hot take. Carmel Anthony went up on the Suns, and yeah, it's it's, it's going to happen. I don't what? know how I feel, but yeah, it's it's going to happen after the Durant trade. They're they're going to add Melo because they're going to lose some depth, and those two have been linked. Well, so. Marcus Aldridge, Carmelo Anthony, all those guys coming off the street to sign with whoever gets Kevin Durant. Wow. Yeah, Jake, what's uh, your hot take? Oh, cool. sorry, Brandon. Yeah. Keep going. Oh, uh, no. You said to say where yeah. we can find you and all that. At Zona yeah, Hoops underscore on Twitter, BradTylerSun.com, ZonaHoops.com. Jake, take it away. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Fallen Founder. My hot take is that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be this year's Memphis Grizzlies, uh, where all of a sudden people are going to remember that there is a team base there and they're going to make some noise before petering out in the playoffs. Cleveland has never made noise if they weren't, if they weren't the hometown of LeBron James. <laughs> that ain't happening. Uh, let's see. Okay, my my name is Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on the Twitter. You can find our writing at brightsideofthesun.com, the best sun site in the world. And uh, my final hot take is, oh, man, I had one earlier, and now I completely blanked on it. What's my final hot take? My I final hot take is that campaign recovers – to be the best backup point guard in the NBA. That's my hot take. Ooh, I like spicy. It. All right. All right, Mr. Mr. Sherlock Holmes, uh, Mr. Zona Hoops. Gentlemen. Folks in the in the chat, I really appreciate you for being here during the offseason. We love talking about the Suns, and I'm glad you guys are here as well. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you around again real soon.